step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello again. Hey, everyone's playing together right now. <laughs> Look, there they are. I'm
do you have any announcements with Black Betsy Books? Oh, yeah, I think so, Francie. No, actually, yeah. I, I got a few. I've been like working really hard all week last week and stuff, and, and it's, it seems like since March I've been trying to play catch-up still. There's a lot of stuff that I wanted to have done done um, by now, um, and that includes uh, a lot of revisions of a lot of black bedsheet old titles, older titles. Um, like, uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, those of you who – if you want to go on the a face group uh, group page and pretty soon, like tonight, I'm going to be posting a lot of the uh, uh, new stuff that we, that are newly revised and, and newly edited. Uh, like for instance, I just got finished doing BL Morgan's uh, Red Simon Vampire Punk. And now it's just perfect. I did, uh, I redid the whole cover and I did the same thing uh, pretty much to uh, Jessica Lynn Gardner's book, um, Unholy Repression, and Jason Gaylord's um, Demon Revolver. And uh, and also I'm at work on revising um, and updating Chop House by Horns. And so that's going to be newly revised and re-edited. And uh, so it's going it's to be really cool. Uh, so look out for those this week. Uh, they're, they're awesome, awesome titles, and we made them even better. So, um, so yeah, that's about it. Also, I'm still working on that Roku channel, folks. So it's just the kind of uh, – I can't constantly work on it because I've got so much going on, but I keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. So we will get there. Uh, these are going to be groovy times. Okay, Francie. Okay, I'm trying to call Don right now. Somehow it's my page crashed. No surprise there. Uh Okay, hold on, almost there. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, we'll get to our callers in a minute and uh one not to hold on folks, we'll get to you. Uh again, uh welcome ah, there's the phone. I hear you. Ah, yes. And uh Hello. I hope it Hey, no, I'm here. Okay, good deal. Good deal. Yeah, I was explaining to everybody why this was so last minute and everything, and we're, we're sorry about that. We well, that's okay. Yeah. All right, let's pick these callers up. Area code 614, you're live. 614? Hello. Hey, that's Patrick. There's oh, okay, there it is. Cash. Yes. Hey, Joe, I, I believe that's Yes. Sorry, guys. That should be John Lee, right? Hey. Okay, yeah, we're doing good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, that's good. Good to know. All right, now, Sorry, you've I'm got a new book. Are you there? Hey, hey, I'm sorry to hear about your back. How'd that happen? Oh, I don't know. I, I I woke up. I was fine. I was sitting in the chair. I got up, and it just started getting tighter and tighter, and then all suddenly it's just pain. So I'm not quite sure. Sounds like, like a back guys. spasm. That's no fun. Well, it's not like you guys have had other adversity this year, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So I guess <laughs> things are going great, and then all of a sudden, snap, brick wall. Yep, yep. Well, what, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? Yep. That's right. That's Never a dull moment. Yeah, really. Life would be boring if it was always goes right. That's right. Well, Mr. Grabowski, <laughs> yeah. I have to compliment you, my friend. I that that cover you made for the night it got out's got to be one of the coolest covers on any book I think I've ever seen, and it's really getting a ton of attention from people. I think that's really what helped uh, get some people uh, into it and made it in the top 100 on the Kindle deal. And, uh, throughout this whole weekend. So thank you, my friend, for your talents. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's just a lot of uh, a lot of just graphic art stuff and probably over a decade, maybe 15 years. 15 years? Yeah, probably. I started in 2000 just like doing my own books, and then I started doing other people's books. And I just, uh, I you know, kind of to save money, I I taught myself, tried to teach myself how to do covers, and then it turned into something that I really liked to do. So just over the course of time, they just get better and better and better. And I'm really proud of this cover, too. So it's like, and it's great. I'm glad that you love it. It's like now if you go on our um, on our um, print store website, um, it's uh, it's in the background of every single page now. Nice. Yeah, well, if I yeah so we're really promoting it. Every, I'm sorry. If I had a buck for everybody that said how cool that cover was, we could all fly into Chicago and eat, eat huge steaks at Morton's uh, tonight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> the only thing I realized after I finished the cover, and I know nobody cares, it's like a minor detail, but I noticed that the creature's eyes are supposed to be yellow and they're red. <laughs> that's not the only thing. I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, not a big deal to me, though. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I just thought, oh, my God, when I was going through it again, I thought, oh, <laughs> so well. Well, with, with the, the whole monster being a bit of a, you know, kind of a shapeshifter with a lot of different DNA and different combinations in it, um, its eyes could probably change. So let's let leave that up to the readers. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so uh, why don't you explain to us a little bit about the night that got out, the night it got out? You know, I've always wanted to write a pretty gut-wrenching, in-your-face monster, kind of bloody gore fest. Uh, and uh, I, I also wanted it not just to be just a gore fest, so I came up with kind of a subplot. And I was watching... A documentary. Somehow, you, you guys know as writers, you get crazy ideas when you see things. And I was watching a Vietnam documentary about tunnel rats. And I thought, well, how cool would it have been had there been a different kind of an animal, a combination kind of a mutation, uh, if you will. And then they also weaved in some human DNA with it, and its intent was to go down and kill VC, uh, controlled by the government. But then, of course, it escaped and fled into the mountains and then was recaptured by the government with the intent to go after the drug war in South America and Central America. And, of course, their plans get derailed, the thing gets out, and then the bloody body count begins to rise. And then I kind of kind of paired it up with a, a police chief, and then I guess my inspiration for the colonel, I kept thinking of um, Colonel Troutman from all the Rambo movies, that type of persona, that old, that, kind of that old Green Beret badass, and then the two would be 
not, but the readers wouldn't know about it. So I kind of came up with that, and it just kind of the flow, and, and it went really well. Oh, nice. Now, now I, I, that, yeah, that was going to be like another question I was going to ask you when you're writing characters. Do you think of like an actor or, you know, to really master the character more? Sometimes I really do. Other times it's just there, there's just weird triggers. I, I remember a story in Bloodverse, um, Little Swimmers, and if you guys have read that one, you kind of know where I'm going with this. I got so sick in the middle of watching movies or you know college football of seeing the Viagra and Cialis commercials. I thought, why don't I write a, a humorous irony where – uh, the, the the devil decides it's time for the Antichrist to come up, but he has he's lost some of his powers and he has to like a human procreate, but he can't get it up, so he has to bring one of his lackeys <laughs> up with him to Earth and he's hunting around all of these different concoctions so he can actually conceive uh, the Antichrist. So yes, an element of horror, but an element of humor and irony attached to it too. So I sat there for oh, like the eight. 80,000th time watching the obnoxious Cialis commercial, which, by the way, if you guys are going to get, if somebody's going to have some fun and do some hanky-panky, why are you sitting in separate tubs? Yeah, yeah really. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you want to be in the tub? With, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, don't work in separate that. tubs. So, so that kind of, <laughs> yeah, weird triggers to set you off, and you'll get an idea, and and. and I travel a lot on business, and sometimes I end up pulling off in an exit and just scratching a note because I'll see something or I'll think of something out of the blue that will just give me an idea, and then, hey, man, that sounds like a good story idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's – I carry books around with me, too, little notebooks and start – I got I to gotta take – Nick gets mad at me because sometimes I play these little Facebook games. He's like, why are you playing the game when you need to be writing Werewolf 2? Why, why aren't you taking it more seriously? So he'll get mad at me sometimes. It's hard, and sometimes you get right block. You know what you want to do. You know, I just like. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I just, you know, I feel sometimes I get on Francie's case because I don't have time to play Facebook games, and I kind of consciously realize too that I have a duty. Like, for instance, if if I if I chance I do end up playing Facebook games at some point, which I don't foresee, (laughs) but if I do. Then people, well, I mean, you know how you play those games, and then it automatically posts on your Facebook page that you're playing the games and stuff like that too. I just, I just have to just keep up with my obsession of getting things done. It's like uh, I, I don't think I played um, a video game on the computer for like almost uh, uh, 12 years now, or something like that. The last was Jardinanes, and that was just like a long time ago. <laughs> I just don't have time, and so I go, you keep complaining about not writing, and you're not writing right now. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Because, hey, we're doing the show right now. Come on. Yeah. I've actually, if Nick is like, because uh, I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm almost past that level, or i got to harvest my, my pot farm. Like, I'm doing pot farm right now. Who would not want to grow a pot farm? So I've got a computerized pot farm right now, and okay. I've actually, I've actually gotten forty-eight million dollars in my account. Damn! Because I thought that'd be great if it was real. <laughs> 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 on the wrong yeah, 
Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so, too. But, uh, hello. Yeah, so you, what, what, what do you do to uh, control yourself to not get distracted when you're writing? You know, it's it's it, the kids are a little bit older now, so all the sports activities aren't as prevalent as as they've been. So it's kind of Molly and I um, more and more around the house, and they're going out and kind of doing their own things as, as things now. So uh, in the evening, it's kind of my prime time to really just just go after it. And, you know, I've got a fairly stressful day job, and it's good solace for me, so it's pure escapism. My only distraction, I do keep Facebook up because Nick says that the social media is such a great way uh, of promoting things, so every now and then that will be distracting. But I will put on headphones, and I will crank up hard rock. Uh, I'm a hard, hardcore rock and roll guy. I love Led Zeppelin, love all the great 70s and 80s uh, rock bands. So that just keeps my mind flying a 1,000 miles an hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I hear that a lot. And when I actually wrote, where I'm not trying to bring back my book again, but when I actually wrote Werewolf the, as the screenplay, I actually had a set of headphones on, and I played music that I really enjoy, or who I'm writing the character after. I would play them on the DVD player or whatever to keep me focused. But yeah, I did headsets too. That's actually a good idea. I should probably do that again. Yep, it blocks everything out, and you, you can just totally go in. As they say in sports, you go into the zone. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, I'm I'm actually really excited. But I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, the band Five for Fighting. He was nominated yes. for a Grammy Award. Um, he was actually one of the singers that I would listen to as I was writing, and I wrote him. A, I emailed him and I told him about that, and I said, you know, I would love to send you a free copy. Of of my book, and he was like, "Yeah, that's great. I'm glad that you know my music inspired you to keep going." And he finally wrote me back, and he was like, "I got the book. I loved it. You scared me, and you made me laugh at the same time." I was like, "Wow, he actually did read it, or he would never know that there was humor in that." Yeah. That was cool. That he that's that's the kind of cool stuff that you that little perks. So you should you should write to Led Zeppelin and give them a free copy of your book. That would be awesome. Love to meet Jimmy Page someday. Have a conversation. There you go. Yeah, because, I mean, they're not going to turn it down. They're going to say, oh, hell yeah, man, my my music helped you write this. Send it in. Cool. That's a great idea. I'm making a note of that right now, Francie. Great suggestion. Yeah, or else, you know, call call their studio. They'll they'll tell you where to send it, and they'll make sure he gets it. Cool. Because that's what I had to do. I sent it. I sent it through the studio. He gave me the studio's address, and then the studio mailed it to him. Awesome. That's a great so, yeah, idea. Yeah, that's definitely right. Yeah. And then if he gives you a blurb, in fact, I asked him, can I use that blurb? And he was like, by all means, use my blurb. I love the book. So, cool. you know, if they give you a blurb, then your next book, you can use the, the blurb. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's a tough industry. I I think of John Grisham and how A Time to Kill flopped for him, and then he just kept at it. Of course, he did have a pretty thriving law practice to fall back on and wasn't a starving writer by any means, but then he did the firm, and of course, the rest is history. So uh, I'm very determined about this, and uh, um, I, I intend to make Nick 
and you and myself and our families very successful and affluent. Yeah, yeah. That would be very appreciative. Well, I hope that doesn't sound too pie in the sky, but if we don't have dreams, then, you know, what, what have we got? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, there was something I was going to ask you about. Oh, it'll come to me. Oh, well, what made you choose Black Benchy Books? You know, I just like Nick's style. I love the website. Uh, there were a couple others that I sent it to, and they were interested too, but they just seemed rather pompous and arrogant. And Nick seemed like he uh-huh. would be much, much more willing to, to work with a new writer and give a new writer a chance. And I knew that I kind of had uh, a big potpourri of a variety of different stories. And uh, he said he would read it. And then it took him a while because there was a lot there, but he came back and said it had been a constant companion of his on and off for quite a while. And he said he was going to offer me a contract, and I will not go to anybody else now. And uh, I'm working on one now that I think could be big-time mainstream, Nick. And um, would like to partner up with you once it's edited and and looks real good. And it's it's across all genres, and, and go to one of the big publishing firms and and have you represent uh, me as agent. And if it ever makes it big, then whatever appropriate cut that goes with that, that's yours, my friend. Wow, oh, interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. I, I kind of try to act like an agent in a way too. Uh, I've I've like worn those shoes in minor roles throughout Black Bedsheet books too, so I'm I'm up for anything. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, well without letting yeah. too much of the cat out of the bag on it, it's, it's it's about three different individuals that have a mission in life. One's a Philadelphia homicide detective and he's a widower raising four kids. And he lost his wife as a drunk driver. I also have a, an alcoholic psychiatrist who had a Down syndrome kid and couldn't deal with it and couldn't deal with a diabolical, maniacal killer. I think of Arnold as a Terminator, but basically human. And this this person also has a mission, uh, and he's butchering and killing women across the United States. And so the three are going to converge, and it's going to be pretty heavy duty. I'm 175 pages in it, and I'm not even halfway done. So it'll be, it should be very interesting. Oh, wow. nice. Sounds good. Yeah, that does sound, that sounds actually pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Now, now, when are you going to write a story that involves something like Bruce uh, Bruce Lee in it? You know, I talked to Nick about that, too. I'm working on one now. It's actually called Honor Bound, and it takes place in medieval Japan in, like, the 16th century, and a rising political figure, uh, a group of ninjas were sent in to assassinate him, but he wasn't there. So they killed the mom, they killed the older sister, they killed all the maids and all of that person's samurai. But there was an 18-month-old boy, and he kidnapped him. And he took him back, and for like 14 to 16 hours a day, all they did was train him. And everything in martial arts, every act and ability to kill, and he became the most renowned assassin throughout all Japan. Highest paid, best skill sets, best competencies. And then he's given the assignment to kill a political figure when he's in his early 20s. He's very loyal to the ninja clan, but he finds out that the rising political figure is a very good person and also his biological father. So he's torn. Oh, do nice. I, do I stay oh, with wow. the loyalty to the clan, or do I go against the clan 
and allow this good man to live. And either way, there's consequences. And so the title of that one is called uh, Honor Bound, and I'm about halfway through that one, too. So totally non-horror, but I had to get a little bit of martial arts stuff in there because of my uh, my background and how long I've been involved with it. Very nice. Yeah. Sounds really yeah. good. Yeah, that does actually sound really good. It deals with the moral issue, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nick, Nick's going to be right back. He said he'll be right back. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he said, I'll be right back. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty good because that's dealing with moral issues and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah. going to be bloody though. I mean, when you, when you, if you think of a if a skilled samurai using a katana, um, Miyamoto Masashi could cut you from shoulder to hip in one blow. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. so, oh yeah. So yeah. So there, there'll be some decapitations and some nastiness going on. So I guess in a way, that's an element of horror too. But uh, it's mostly martial arts. Right. Nice. Now, now, when you go to bed, do you think of books? I mean, what makes you tick? What makes you, I mean, you said that you're driving around and you see the quirkiness, but something like that, that that's not something you see every day. Do you go to bed thinking about it at night or dream about it, and then you, like, wake up and you're, like, writing it down, like, holy crap, that's going to be so awesome. i got to do this. That's happened a couple times. Not Not with that one in particular. That one was actually forget what I was doing when that one came around. I think I was actually doing a sword form and practicing it, and then the the idea occurred to me. And it, it must also on the heel of maybe watching a ninja flick uh, on on TV or something or a DVD um, or a Blu-ray or something, it hit me. So that, that was kind of a combination of things, but to me it just seemed like a good story. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say, no, I was making a salad in the kitchen. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Nice. I said that was real nice. <laughs> oh, good. I got a chuckle. I was hoping to get a chuckle out of that. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, well, when you think about a katana, I mean, and, and he's not kidding. This thing will slice you just from one end to the other with no with no effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the only reason I know this is because my son knows every friggin' weapon there is out there. Because he'll see something and he'll tell you exactly what weapon it is. That is cool. Oh, wow. It, it does kind of drive me crazy a little bit because him and his brother, that's what they eat, sleep, and think about is weapons. <laughs> How are they with that? Be on that one. Well, I don't know. One was, one was, one was uh, airborne in the Army, and the other one's going to go in the Army when he graduates, so. And they, those boys know what they're doing. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, my youngest one will be 18 next month. And, yeah, he could pretty tell you, tell you every weapon they got out there. Nice. Wow. And, of course, like I said, you know, he, he's into, you know, like the katana and, and different weapons like that. So. Cool. Very good now, stuff. Now, is that that one that's, um, it's a sword and it's really fat at the, um, on the blade towards the end? No. No, oh, it's okay, actually a fairly thin, 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 long sword, but it's but just razor, razor sharp. Uh, the, the the little one, I forget what it's called, but that's used for seppuku, uh, which is where they actually have dishonored themselves. Uh, and, and my style is more Chinese, by the way, but I'm doing this Japanese. Seppuku is where they actually do the square. They start in the abdominal area and basically disembowel themselves uh, if they've dishonored themselves. Yeah. 
Wow. Not a good way to die. Yeah. Well, you know, they they have their own methods over in Japan, let me tell you. Exactly. And if you cry out, then that's dishonorable, too. So if I were to ask yeah. Nick, would, would you please be my second? Meaning you stand above me while I'm doing this, and if I cry out in pain, you immediately, with your katana, behead me. That way I, I have no loss of face. That's that's more important than than living. At least that's how the samurai used to think back in the day. Oh, yeah, exactly. Again, it makes you say proudly, I'm so glad I live in America. <laughs> oh, man, that ain't nothing. I mean, there, other than the katana, there are a few other other choice weapons that are pretty badass, too. Yeah, and it's, you yeah. know, they're the whole mindset of Bushido, or Bushido, depending on how you pronounce it, is why Truman had to drop the bombs. He got, and not to get political, but he got the intel that they would basically fight us to the last man. And he probably saved, as horrible as those atomic bombs were, he probably saved hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives uh, by doing that because their mindset was, I mean, when, when you had 18-year-olds lining up and when you were not chosen to fly your airplane into an aircraft carrier, you would weep. Uh, your brains out and be so distraught that that's a pretty incredible mindset. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Holy, holy smacks! Again, I am very happy. I mean, I have my pride too, but I wouldn't, you know, behead myself <laughs> or anything over. Wow. Oh yeah. When my son was home for a while, my older son, when he was home for a while, him and Wyatt, they would, I mean, literally. The two of them would spend hours talking about every military weapon there was. They would eat, sleep, and talk it. And I got to a point where we'd have to say, find another subject, please. (laughs) (laughs) Please find another subject. Oh, my God. And then when when my son finds a new weapon, he'll, he'll be online or... Oh, he'll find a modified one or whatever. and <clears throat> Yeah, he's got to show it to me. Oh, wow. And okay. <laughs> like, yeah, and okay. Right. My niece knew she could look at any butterfly that was flying around. She'd be like, oh, that's such and such butterfly. And it's like, how do you know this? She's oh, yeah, trust me. They do. They just, oh, my God, it's crazy. Let me tell you. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the worst part is when he does get in the army and he does come back home at some point, I'm sure I'm going to hear about all the new stuff. <laughs> it's, you, you're going to be like doing the laundry and he's going to be like right behind you. And then you got stuff, and you're going to be like, yes. Yeah. That's when I start and investing in an earplug factory. <laughs> see, we were just talking about the headphones. Yes, Blast in on the headphones and write a book about it. Yeah, or some ZZ Top. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you Gotta go. go with ZZ Top, okay? I mean, let's face it, these guys are badass anyway. Yeah, they, they are. are. You know, I I stalked them once, and uh, I got so good at it. I was actually at the Coliseum way up in the rafters as uh-huh. they were rehearsing the concert the next night. Oh, nice. So I got to watch them rehearse, and then I got I got busted. They were like, man, if ZZ Top would have seen you here, because they couldn't come get me when they were rehearsing because they said that if they if they did, ZZ Top would have canceled the whole show. 
Wow. And they were like, we had to wait for them to leave the stage to get you out of here. Do you know what you almost cost? And I was like, yeah. And I was doing that for a radio station back home. Oh, shit. I had, a, I had like a little miniature tape recorder. And I uh-huh. was stalking these <laughs> Oh, that's, <laughs> some seri- that's some serious stalking now, okay? <laughs> I, I did good. I got in there. And then I got trapped, but they already knew I was up there, but they couldn't come get me out because ZZ Top would have canceled the whole show. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And they would have sued my ass big time. So it was funny. I was laughing all the way down the elevator. I'm surprised. I'm glad they didn't arrest me, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. may want to be thankful. <laughs> I'm glad you did Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, you definitely might want to be thankful on that one. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> when, when, did you, Patrick, when did you realize that you wanted to be a writer? How young were you? You know, it was probably goes way back many years, even into college, pre-kids. Uh, and then we had our daughter, Colleen, and then just your life just gets derailed when you have a child. And a lot of those old ideas, I think, you know, Pain in the Boxer first popped in my head, uh, the year before Colleen was born, that, that was one of the short stories in Bloodverse. And um, I lost my dad in 2006, and then I just started writing in earnest after that, kind of just as escapism. And then a lot of that stuff just came back because the kids were older, and I just carved out time in the evenings and stayed up late at night, and then the rest is history, and here we are. Nice. Very good. Nice. Yeah, I like I like that you mentioned, you know, that your father passed away and everything that, that encouraged you to write. It's kind of um it's kind of like they say comedians they write comedy to block out their demons, but horror and but horror writers actually write to bring out their demons. Like what's would, hurting them and Huh? Yeah, he, I I would totally agree with that. My dad and I were really tight. And he was a big fan of the writing, and he would bring up, he said, Hap, why don't you ever do that anymore? You're getting all caught up in the business world and doing this, that, and the other, and have you ever thought about writing again? And so he never, well, I believe he knows I got published. I believe he's uh, up there uh, in heaven and that he's looking down smiling, but he never actually saw what, what the end result was. So that, that was a huge inspiration for me, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's great that that's what encouraged you to start writing again. I mean, your dad recognized that you had a talent. He wanted you to succeed in it, and it looks like you've done it, and that's great. Because I've read some of your writings, and it is really good. You are a fantastic writer. Thank you. That that means a lot to me. I I think that the school's never out in this industry, and I'm always constantly uh, striving to hone the craft and make the prose better, so... Uh, Nick turned me on to some really good reviewers, and I've been sending stuff out like crazy to them and getting some good feedback, and uh, it's only going to make me get better and better with each book. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah, I know I know when uh, – Nick is back, by the way. I know that when uh, – don't worry, Nick. I didn't tell him what you did. I just said yeah. you had to go away for a second. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think everybody figured that one out already. That's what I wanted everybody to think. No, he wanted to go help his dad real quick. Okay, no, okay, he's disagreeing with me. Yeah, he went boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, yeah, my 
Hey, when you got to go, you got to go, man. That's true. Exactly. I'm like, you don't no, have I, to I, say I, it, man. I, you know. I, well, I just kind of wanted to torture him because I used to say, take over, I got to go potty real quick. And then he'd take the phone and he's like, well, first he's going to the bathroom. And then you're like, knock on the door. Francie, are you done yet? Francie, your guest has a question for you. Should I put the phone next to the door? <laughs> like, there really, Dick? I'm serious. Hey, it back and times. It's terrible. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, but those were just that was just potties. Those weren't boom booms. And I'm okay. sitting in the bathroom like I'm gonna, kill him. I'm gonna kill him. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of wanted when to you say, Nick. That's when you say, Nick. I'll be right back. Take over for me, and you don't say a word where you're going. There you go. Oh, he knows where I'm going. That's true. You, 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 all have to do is I need a cigarette. I'm going out to have a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> He's not serious. He follows me down the hallway with the phone. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Never mind. Well, maybe you ought to start doing that to him, see how it feels on the other shoe. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Nick. Patrick's got something to say. <laughs> yeah, I got Just speaking of Nick, though, I do have to tell you, um, I was here when he did uh, start reading your stuff, and Patrick, he was really excited about you from the get-go. Oh, that is cool. That's awesome. That that makes my night uh, to have someone of his esteem think that uh, that that's fantastic. Yeah, if if he if I mean you're he talks about some of his authors and what, you know as soon as he gets something like Matthew Ewald, he was excited to have that one too, and he was very excited about you. He 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 has he knows that you're a great writer, and he would talk about you for quite some time. And in spurts and everything else. So yeah, he's really excited about you too. Well, that, that the, the feeling is mutual, and I think that we're only going to keep getting better and better. Um, I hope I'm not clogging the pipeline up too much. I sent the poor guy another yeah. little novella, the maggots uh, underneath the porch. That's a that's kind of my little attempt at doing a little Stephen King stand by me type thing, or the body of mm-hmm. nice. came out. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, I, it's, you know, a lot of us grew up in the late 70s, early 80s, and so I kind of went back even a little bit farther than that to the year 1975 where kids were collecting beer cans and trading baseball cards and excited about uh, maybe a girl over the summer had started to sprout and go through puberty and, you know, how young guys talk. Oh, yeah. And, um, and it's set against the backdrop of a horribly, terribly monstrous event. And uh, so there, it's kind of... A little bit of a stand-by-me type thing, but a huge element of horror in it. And then I also just fired off to him a second follow-up collection to Bloodverse titled Out of the Shadows. I don't know if that's a hokey title or not, but nine new short stories. Well, they're not real short because there's only nine, but um, a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff there. I'm kind of clogging his pipeline up there a little bit. Right. No, no, no. Right. He doesn't mind if you clog his pipeline. All right, that sounds good. Because I, I, I certainly know I'm not his only author. I don't know how he does it. I know I'm not his only author. He's juggling. He's probably got so many balls in the air that he's trying to juggle and, and maintain. I don't know how he does it. And I, I admire and respect how he keeps tabs of everything. And I every now and then I'll drop him a note. And I know you guys had such a tough year uh, with some of the issues with the mold and the landlord being such an ass. And then Nick's about to... <laughs> Out and some of the stuff, but 
thought, oh, my God, are these guys going to get a break at some point in time here or not? So I thought, you know what, it's not about you, and they're going through some issues. Just take your time, and good things come to those who wait. Exactly. Yeah. You know what's bad is we've been waiting to get a pool because we're now at um, his parents' uh, garage house. And I, we we did get a huge break. Um, we were at Super Walmart. We were going to get a pool patch repair kit because I got this cheap little pool. I was like, okay, you know what else we got to do is sit in it. It'll cool ourselves off. You know, no big deal. We go back inside. Well, we were at Super Walmart trying to get the pool patch kit because the pool that I bought had a hole in it when we got it. And it's like really. Oh, you should have taken it back. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take it back tomorrow. We have to dry it out because, you know, we found out there was a hole in it when we put water in it. Yeah. So, um, we were at Super Walmart because the Walmart I bought the pool at, they didn't have any more pool patch pair kit. So we went to Super Walmart. And I walked by a shelf, and there was this one of those, like, blue pools, pretty deep, 10 feet wide, 6 feet long, all that good stuff. And I I looked at it, I was like, I just want to see how much this costs. It was, like, $48. It comes with a filter, comes with everything. I mean, it's a really nice little pool. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, well, I put in half the money. You put in half the money. Let's buy the pool. We're going to take that other pool back. So it's going to be like half the price anyways. So we got a break, and then my back hurt. I have not even gotten into the pool yet. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it but sounds Nick, like you have a muscle spasm going on. Yeah. I think I, yeah, it's all down my lower back, too. I could take it if it was in the middle back, but it's in the lower back. So as soon oh, as trust I, like, me. I know all about lower back issues. Trust me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Try, try laying on your back on the, on the carpet and do knee to chest exercises as much as you can. And then, and that, also, another thing you can do is take a pillow. Put it underneath your legs all the way up to your butt and sleep with it like that. That'll take the pressure off your back. Absolutely. Yeah, trust me. I have three bulging discs in my lower back, so yeah. Oh, then you know. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> Might have been more muscle pulls. Yep, throwing kicks too high and doing stuff, sports and, that, and activities like that. But if you can... Get in the shower, and if you've got one of those shower massage things where you can adjust it and have it beat on your back as hot as you can stand it in that area, that, uh, that'll yeah. bust up one of those trigger points, too. Oh. Yeah. But, but do yeah. hot and cold. Yeah, yeah back and forth. Like, get in the pool. Get in the pool. The cold will help. And I'm like, I can't even lift my legs to get in the pool. What are you talking about? Yeah. But I did clean oh, yeah. it for a little while. Yeah, but yeah it's too hot and cold because the heat will help the pain, but the cold will get rid of the inflammation. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. Yeah. I've been there, done it all already. <laughs> been there, done that, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Been it, there, done it all. It, trust me. Yeah, that's right. It's the new slang. Yep. Uh, I've done it all. <laughs> The new song by Queen, We've Done It. Oh, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've even I've even done the epidurals. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. Ouch. No, oh, that ain't nothing compared to what I went to, what I went through uh, last Friday on the 19th. That's right. Yeah, I had four needles in my neck. Oh. Ah, no. Thank you. Jim was uh, running in horror right now. Well, I, I didn't uh, actually yeah. feel it. 
feel a whole lot of it because, one, they numbed the skin area up because they did a nerve block yeah. is what they did. And then they gave me drugs through the IV. So I was doing all right. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask oh. if you ever tried acupuncture. As long as I don't know what the oh, hell you're doing, right. I'm okay. <laughs> as long as there's drugs involved, I'm okay. And you know what? I'll tell you, honestly, it it really worked. It, it really helped. I mean, um, my left side of my neck, I mean, there's not nearly as much pain as I was in. I mean, I feel soreness and a little bit of pain, but it's it's, it's more than 50% better than what it was. It, it really does wow. work. Uh, many, many years ago, I was sparring another black belt, and I didn't get my elbow down to block uh, a roundhouse kick that he threw, and he blasted me in the ribs. It probably oh. would have been better in retrospect had they fractured, but it separated oh. cartilage from the ribs. Oh, and every yeah. oh my God. Movement, it, was, it was awful. And then I actually did a show at Ohio State um, when I was in college, and I had a pair of hollow nunchucks, and I inserted lights in them. So they turned the lights off, and I, the old Elton John song, Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding, if you guys ever hear that, it's got a yeah. kind of beat to it. Anyways, I did like a little nunchuck show them. Well, backstage, showing off in front of a bunch of sorority girls uh, to the guitar jam at the end of Freebird, I was flying 100 miles an hour with the Chucks, and I banged my right funny bone nerve. And like the the four fingers on that hand were instantly on fire, and then for six months, numbness. Believe it or not, went to an acupuncturist, and they, they hooked it up like, I don't know how many dozens of needles I had in me, and then they actually stuck incense tips on the end of the needle, struck a match to them, and you could feel the heat go down in. It cured it, cured both of those issues. Yeah, what they do is they put the needles in, and then they take this wire, and this wire goes into it, into the needles, and then they basically burn the nerves. Yeah. Hey, I didn't feel it, so I was okay. I was watching an episode of King of the Hill. I don't know if you guys ever watched King of the Hill. Do you guys watch King of the Hill, the TV show? No. Sure. Um, Yeah, remember when Hank Hill went in for acupuncture and they were explaining to it and he says, if anyone ever did that to me, I'd kick him in the ass. And then he's at, because of back pain, that's how I feel. I'm like walking like him right now. And, uh... He they put he finally went to the acupuncture and they had all the needles in him and he got off the table and he walked over to the guy and kicked him in the ass. <laughs> I love to you there. Yeah, so oh, you guys yeah. are talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, you know, know. Uh, it it does work. I'll, uh, I can attest to that. It does work. And it was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. No. No. Whew. The drugs yeah, helped greatly, having... trust me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Patrick, uh, what was the inspiration behind the book? Behind the night it got out. Uh, yes. I think just wanting to to create something that was a little bit unique, that had a little bit of a combo of a, of a werewolf, so you had the wolf element. <laughs> The very high intellect that was tied to it, and that's where I had the combination with the chimp. Um, 
and then really getting weird, and then when the military got involved, having the artificial insemination with the colonel's uh, uh, DNA. So it was just super intelligent, super ferocious, and they basically concocted the greatest predator out there. And then just having that thing get loose. I have to also give give some kudos because remember the old creep show episode with oh yeah the thing in the crate. Yes. Yes. Yes, I, I love that one. That thought crossed my mind when I, when the idea came into my head, and I thought, well, I can't. You know, you, I'm not going to be so bold as to you know to plagiarize Mr. King out there, but what if I kind of one up that and extended uh, an even greater story? Because I think his was some Antarctic find, and it was some creature that uh, they found in a box. So I wanted mine more to have that subplot with the military, uh, and also be able to move very, very quickly and have huge predatorial skills. So I got to I got to oh, give nice. some, some props to. Uh, the, the crate, if you go way back in the 80s, the old creep show uh, concoction that King put together. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I I, I have a friend who dressed up as the, the creature from the crate. Uh, so I, I've seen him. Uh, he's around there someplace. Cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That one, that one kind of me, um, the crate. When we were ten years old, my mom, she like made a. I, I watched The Exorcist when I was eight years old. My mom was a single mom. She loved horror movies. And you know what? We had one TV in the house, and we had HBO. And if there was something on TV that she wanted to watch, you better believe we were going to watch it. So I, I grew up on horror movies. My mom loves horror movies. So I grew up on them, and I remember when I was 10 years old and uh, the creep show came on, this is how I remember the crate so well. My two brothers kind of, that was their one that scared them the most. And my mom was like, creep show's coming on. I'm going to buy all of you a candy bar. So that way, you know, you'll sit down and watch the movie. You're going to, you know, we've already watched it a couple of times. And Snickers was my favorite candy bar when I was 10. And my older brother dared me to sit right in front of the television and sit and watch the crate. And if I got up off that floor once, then I'd have to give him my Snickers bar. (laughs) And I did it. I I remember that as a childhood little memory. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, another that, that, another good show was Tales from the Crypt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My daughter was about ten months old when uh she used to sit and watch that. And if she'd been in the bathtub, all she had to do is hear his laugh and she'd start yeah. laughing. She would laugh every time she heard him laugh. And she loved watching it. My mom yeah, used to think was I was great. crazy because I let my kids watch all these horror movies and horror shows. <laughs> they liked it. Oh, yeah, oh, I, love yeah, them. They do. I do too. I tried to get my, my youngest niece, um, when she was two, my older brother fell asleep uh, watching the Michael Myers. And I guess my youngest niece, when she was two, got out of bed and went to go see her daddy. And her daddy fell asleep on the couch watching the Halloweens. 
And uh, I, I woke up for some reason, and I walked out, and Kayla's, like, hovering on the couch with one eye open and hovering her dad. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, scary man on TV. I was like, Kayla, get back in bed. But I ended up making them watch Exorcist Beginning for one of my psychology projects for college. And I had to, like, make them watch, kids watch something violent, give one uh, something to hold on to and the other one not to. And I, I decided I'm going to let my nieces watch Exorcist Beginning. And I wrote my paper about that, and it was so cute. I told them when the Exorcist was coming on, when they were going to start to do the Exorcist, I was like, okay, girls, now it's time for you to leave the room. And then my little niece, she was like four at the time, she was like, no. Francie, we're not scared. We're just a little freaked out right now. And I put that in my paper. <laughs> she was like, I put that in my paper, and my psychology teacher actually put in the sidelines. You made your nieces watch The Exorcist beginning? I'm a little freaked out right now. It was supposed to be like a Pokemon cartoon or something that they were supposed to watch, but I didn't want to sit through Pokemon. And uh, she was like, you didn't do the project quite right, but for the sake of your nieces having to sit through that, I've got to give you a B. So your nieces, I was like, yay, I won. <laughs> so now my 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 little, my younger niece, she is like all into horror now. And I think it's because, you know, we exposed it to her at a young age. Yeah. I, I well, I looked at it this way, you know. I explained to them from the get go, all my kids, you know, this is just a movie. It's not real. Yeah. And they knew it was not yeah. real, so they weren't so terrified. But my mom used to yell at me all the time, "Why in the hell are you letting them kids watch that stuff? Because they like it." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want my. Yeah. I, she used to I yell at me all the time. I didn't want my nieces to believe that there would be a prince, that they'll turn out to be a princess if they kiss a toad. And yeah, really. Here's the real one. <laughs> what, what age did you expose your uh, kids to horror, uh, Patrick? You know, it's kind of funny. My, when, when my youngest, Patrick, was little, I was doing some business work late at night, and Jaws happened to be on. And he was like two and a half and had a flu bug and was sleeping down on the couch as I was sitting in a, in a lazy boy chair working on some stuff. And he's older now, of course, and he's he's actually smiling at me because he's listening in on the call. But he looked, I think, when the guy was going to get stomped in the estuary, the guy that was in the little the little rowboat thing with the chief's kid. Yeah. yeah. He, see, he saw that, you know, you hear the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. He, he, he said, is a shark going to eat that guy, Daddy? And I thought, man, there, that's my boy. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. So two and a half, that... Uh, uh, that happens, and then of course, um, you know, uh, being Irish, uh, Braveheart has required viewing in this house, and there's a lot of decapitations and beheadings and, and yeah. that type of stuff. So the kids got into horror pretty early on. Yeah, all my kids. Uh, I mean, before they were even born, they were getting into horror. Yeah, they were in the womb. You had the headphones right uh, there. No, seriously. I was pregnant with my daughter, and we were watching this horror movie. My mom goes, I don't know how you can watch that stuff. I said, because I like it. <laughs> and I said, he, she, I says, besides, the baby likes it, and I'd be rubbing my stomach, and she goes, that's, no, that's not right. <laughs> there it is. She's got to learn early. <laughs> hey, you know, 
Start them young. Start them young. <laughs> Start them young. We, before they even come out of the wound. <laughs> That's exactly it. I did it every time. I think, I think if I have a child, I think I'm going to make them watch horror movies, too. Yeah, you got to start right from the get-go, though, okay? Yeah, we we used to make a uh, graveyard in our front yard and scare people all the time on Halloween. And it would always freak out my older niece. And then one year, I told her, uh, Brittany, I said, Brittany, you're going to come outside with me, and you're going to help me build this graveyard, and you're going to see that it's just plastic and lights. And then mm-hmm. when she seen it, she started to realize, oh, this isn't real. None yeah. of this is real. That's you underneath that costume. That's not the, some creepy person. That's mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So well, I told you I about my a- my Halloween decorations. I think you did. Yeah. You're the one with the coffin on the porch. Okay, yeah. so I got the yeah I got that idea of having a coffin on the porch, and you know you couldn't really go buy one, you know, so we had to make one. So we made yeah. one. But the problem was, it wasn't enough. For me, it's never enough. I've got to up it every time. So I upped it and put the, a, a dummy in there. I had the mask. We did the clothes, the whole nine yards. It looked like a guy in there. But then that wasn't enough either. Then you, you had to, to go. Oh, no, I had to go with the fishing line because nobody's going to see the fishing line. So I attached the fishing line oh, okay, yeah. to the door. So when the door would open, the coffin would open. Yeah, scared the crap out of a whole lot of kids that night. Probably some adults, too. I I was yeah. really proud of myself. There was one time I was acting, I was at the top of the yard where our graveyard was, and I was dressed like the crypt keeper, and I had a voice box and everything. I mean, I was, I was decked out. And uh, I would stand, sit perfectly still at the front of the graveyard, and... People would look down at the graveyard, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's really cool looking. And then they'd walk up to me, and they're, like, touching me, and I will not move, And even though I'm laughing my ass off behind that mask. And then oh, I'll yeah. tell somebody, I'll see you where the candy is. And I would have people just running down the street. But my proudest one was the woman had to be about 300 pounds, dressed up like a clown, and she's with her kids, and her kids were afraid to go down. And she's like, look, it's just a dummy. It's just a dummy. There's, that's not a real person. And I opened up my eyes, and I'm like, I'll show you where the candy is. She jumped so high in the air, did a 90-degree turn in the air, ran back to her car. Her children <laughs> are beating so hard at her. And then they're down there getting the candy, and my mom's the one handing out the candy, and she was like, Tell your mom to come get you some candy. And they're like, come on, mom, come get some candy. She's like, I can't go down there. And they're like, there's nothing going to scare you. She's like, no, I peed my pants. That crone woman peed her pants. That's great. See, that's what I'm talking about. You got to scare the shit out of them because it ain't no fun if you don't. There's something very exhilarating about fear, right? Oh, yeah, it's fun to scare. I, I did it to a friend of mine one time. I scared her so bad that one of my other friends came out going, what the fuck is going on out here? You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I scared. Um, when I was at working at the um, my first movie theater, and I'd been there for a couple of years, I was like the shift leader of the movie theater at that time. 
and um, there was a girl that worked there. She's been there for about over a year now, so I was used to her. You could scare her on a dime. You could just walk up to her, like, right, and just walk up to oh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she would was jump. A- like, don't do that. So um, one time, me and the head projectionist, we had a great idea. We're going to scare the crap out of Candy. That was her name. We're going to scare her so bad. There was this demon mask that was always floating around that movie theater. I don't even know where that mask came from. And Fiesha was his name. Fiesha was going to wear a blanket over him, put on the demon's mask, and we were going to tell Candy that she's about to be promoted, and she's uh, the manager of the movie theater wants her to learn how to run projectors. She was so excited. She was like, yeah, and if if you've ever been up in a projection booth, it's dark anyways. It has to be dark or the light's going to shine onto the screen. So it's kind of dark anyways. Yeah. So Candy's like, yeah, I get to run projectors. This is going to be great. So I walk her upstairs, and I walk her uh, past projection, projector number five, and Fiesha just comes out like dragging his foot, wearing that blanket and that demon mask over his face, and is like, Brr, and he makes a little noise. Candy grabs me by my throat, flips me over her shoulder, throws me to the ground, and is beating on my face. I don't know why she started to beat me up instead of the demon, and but she was so freaked out, and she had no idea that I was even in on that. She got scared. so, And I'm telling her, and Fiesha's like cracking up laughing, standing over us, and I'm like, Fiesha, take the mask off. She's beating me in the face, and he's like laughing. I'm like, Candy, it's Fiesha, it's Fiesha. She's like, oh, okay, oh, okay, and she's just pounding on me. I took a five-minute beating. That's oh, damn. Never anybody. <laughs> I, I got out of yeah, mine man. a little bit easier. I didn't get a beating, um, but, boy, did I get an uh, ass to it. I got my. I, I was begging Fiesha to take that damn mask off his face so she could see that it was him, but he was laughing too hard to even lift his hands up. To even take that mask off. And oh, man. Just, uh, see, I didn't get a beating. I did, get, however, get an ass to and not from the girl I scared the shit out of, but my other friend. Yeah. <laughs> see, what we what happened was we walked, we were watching the Freddy movie, the, uh, the dream one, where the girl's pregnant. Yeah. Okay, so we're watching that. And, you know, I'm not, like I've said lots of times before, I'm not above scaring the crap out of anybody because it's funny. You know, it's just funny. Yeah. It Chris yeah, it is. is little. Chris was even shorter than me. She was real petite, real tiny. You know, and she's sitting there in the chair, and I'm watching her, and you know, I'm waiting for them to, to cue in that music. You know, and uh, and I'd go, I'd go real slowly. And she couldn't see me, and I'd grab her leg, and she jumped like five feet out of the chair every time, which was funny in <laughs> itself. You know, but I had this rubber mask, and it looked like this bald-headed guy where he had stitches by his lips, stitches in his head, you know. And so I figured, I waited. I waited till she got out of got out of my apartment and started walking back to hers. So I snuck around, and we had this, like, little alleyway, kind of like a, a covered bridge type thing. And so 
I got under there, and here's two people making out in there, okay? And they're laughing. They see me coming with the mask, and they're laughing. I'm going, no, don't say nothing. And so I come out, and I grabbed her from behind. Holy crap, I never heard anybody scream that loud before. (laughs) Really never heard anybody scream that loud, you know? And she's screaming at me. And my, like I said, my other friend came out going, what the fuck is going on out here? And I'm laughing. I'm I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. And, and, uh, and all I heard was a, my name and a whole lot of swearing. And <laughs> to the fact that I will never fucking watch another movie with you ever again. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. You know, I don't know why she wouldn't watch another movie with me. Cool. Oh, Patrick. I don't know. Come on. Patrick. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you have any appearances coming up? You know, I'm trying to work on that. Uh, Here in Columbus, Ohio, there doesn't seem to be a plethora uh, of opportunities. And and I know I've spoken with Nick that Barnes & Noble historically is not uh, one of the best places to go, so I'm trying to find some good mom-and-pop bookshops where I can maybe form some type of arrangement. It's funny that you asked that, Joe, because I'm I'm looking at, or is that Nick that asked that? I'm looking at at a couple places right now, so hopefully something will pan out. I might be able to help you find something. Comic book stores. Yeah. I mean, they deal in horror. That might be a good genre to look at, too. Yeah, and I might be able to help you out with that. Okay, cool. Because I live in Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm not too far off from you. But, um, yeah, there's a few places I'm thinking around here that might be a good idea. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. Cause I think that you know, when you get out and interact with people and you get to meet them and, and they like your book, then that, that can only help. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that social media is one thing, but face-to-face is completely different. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I love face-to-face. Like, I go to a couple of conventions with Nick, and, you know, it's really cool. It's best. Like, we were doing Miss Miseries. We were doing a uh, live broadcast for Miss Misery and did the convention, and we had a couple of my books there, and I'm walking around doing the show, and when I'm on the show, I notice that a guy is holding a copy of my book, and I'm like, "Whoa, I gotta interview him!" And he was like on the show and everything else, and I was citing it as he was talking about it. So that was really that, cool. That would be so cool. You know, it, yeah, it, it, you know what would be cool. another another good a good deal would be um, Patrick. Uh, Erie has the horror fest every October. In your EPA. Yeah. That might be that might be another idea. Yeah, and, and my day job, one of my marketing territories is Youngstown, so that's not too far off. Yeah. I I'm in I'm in Meadville, so Okay. <laughs> you you two are friends on Facebook, right? No, but we need to be. No, yeah. we need to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. See, I'm not the writer. I'm the reader. And I'm still waiting (laughs) for that book that Francie promised. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got right. someone order. I got someone order. Um, by the way, which everybody, uh, Jennifer, David, Stevens, Lee Conrad. Uh, who else? Buy? I got. I got them all in the email. But I sold a couple of the books. They are on order. Some, it, awesome. The printer sometimes takes a yeah, little bit longer. Put... I didn't have any copies at home. So... Yeah, you got to put your John Hancock in it, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I Because I gotta have my stuff. little collection going. If that's Patrick, I wanna send you a copy too. For free. Good. Awesome. And maybe Would you I can you can review it. Would love to. Absolutely. Yeah, I, ah. I do the reading. I love reading <laughs> and uh I have a lot of horror books and, and uh you know, suspense type books on my Kindle and, and people go, Is that all you have on there? I said, Uh yeah. Yeah, no. I Is there anything really else? Secretly yes, I have a Kindle. Romance novel. Oh, we can send you an yeah. electric copy of my book, right? Uh, yeah, but tonight. But tomorrow. you can't really sign that kind. You can read That's that one until I get the copy. This is true. Yeah, that way you can like. Oh, it's not going to be worth any money. It's, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll, Nick will show me how to send Kindle and all that, and. Yeah, I'll give you my Kindle thing. Uh, I'll put it in the chat box so you know. But yeah, I'm I like to read. I'm that's my thing is my horror, my suspense. You know, um, Dean Koontz is one of my favorites. Always, of course. You know, there's the the other ones like you know Nick and Francie and Fred Weehy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not much of I've I've never been the reader. I am. Nick kind of gets after me that, too. He's like, why aren't you reading books? That way you can get how people write. And when I was saying that I was going to start writing, people that, when I was still in South Carolina, people that, you know, my mom worked for, they would be like, "Uh, so you want to be a writer, but you don't read books, really. And I'm like, well, yeah. And they were like, "Uh, don't you know that the two go hand in hand? I'm like, pretty much. No. Why? Why can't I have my own style? Yeah. Why? Why? Have you Have you thought about that too, Patrick? I mean, have you reflected on how somebody else writes and how you want to write? Absolutely. I, I've always been an avid reader, and I've crossed a lot of genres. Horror happens to be my favorite, but if you talk about a gentleman that has unbelievable prose, read any of John D. McDonald's books on his travels. Oh yeah. Easter unbelievable freaking writer. He's tremendous. I've read all of King's. I've read all of Kuntz. Uh, I've read two of Nick's now. So, yeah, I mean, I I mean, I, I am a voracious reader. And, and you can get different ideas, different genres, and different readers and their stylistic approaches to the craft, in my yeah. opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you two of my favorite writers. Uh of course, uh, for my sci-fi hook, uh, I was always enjoying Harry Harrison, who uh, wrote The Stainless Steel Rat, and of course uh, had one of his stories made into a film called Soylent Green, oh as everyone gosh. might remember. So, hey, make room, make room, man. Uh, you're eating people. It's all good. Yep. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, there's also Richard Matherson, the late great, uh, the guy who gave us The Legend of Hell House and 
uh, last man on earth and uh, whatnot. I wrote yep. many of the Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, you know, some of my favorite other writers besides everybody else. So there. I can't. I can't that's scream. Pretty much, but that's pretty much all I, I got. Is It's either horror or something like a suspense or Dean Coons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they pick on me for it. Well, sorry, everything else bores me. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, I say, you know. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm okay every once in a blue moon for people to read, like, uh, the romance novels. I, I got nothing against that. If that's your thing, cool. But if you love horror or suspense or mystery, go pick up some of the books. You know, read them, enjoy them. I'm not knocking anybody who's a reader for whatever they love to read, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, it's me. I'm not gone with the wind yet, but one day. My problem is, I'm just more yeah. of the visual. And in fact, yeah. you know, we took all those tests in college, and I was a visual learner. I wasn't like, you know, the reading learner. I was the visual. I got to see the visual. So I think that might be. Uh, but I got to tell you, ow, I'm I'm trying to adjust myself on the chair, and my back just got a sharp pain. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I got to tell you, within um, doing all these shows, uh, like we were talking about earlier, like I I know a lot of comedians too. They've been on the show. They're really nice. And I met a lot of comedians that are not very nice. Mm-hmm. But all of the horror writers are like the nicest people you could ever meet in your life. And I, it, it does go back to the fact that, you know, horror writers bring out their demons while comedians hide their demons. And, in fact, there's been studies that show that horror writers are actually a lot nicer than comedians when it comes down to it. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, they've actually done studies and reports. I mean, it's actually true that horror writers are some of the nicest people that you can ever come across when you're thinking about them. They're not so nice. You think that they're good, but they're actually some. Yeah, because they're releasing. It's like Nick said, you know, you get to kill your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend. If you're mad at your girlfriend in a fight, you get to write it down in a story. You don't bottle it up inside. You get to yeah. release it. Exactly. I, I, killed, you got to I go. killed my ex-girlfriend. Hold on. Go ahead, Patrick. I just was going to ask you guys, do you think as writers that some of what we write and maybe even elements of some characters, not in total but in part, is autobiographical at times. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yep, me too. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you you get to, like a comedian, oh, my girlfriend, oh, I hope that, you know, something, she'll step outside, you know, they'll they'll make a joke about it. But a writer... A horror writer will go into graphic detail. Yep. Well, you know, 
I lifted her head. Not that we would actually do that. In not real life, no, people. Yeah, not in real life, but you get to, like, like Nick wrote a story, I'm not going to say, like, when um, in Red Wet Dirt, how his girlfriend at the time turned out to be this evil monster. And he was still dating her at the time. Well, it was his ex-fiancée. They they were still dating. And he wrote this short story of how she turned into this evil monster because of the night that they had at the Tim McGraw concert. And when when you hear that that was actually, like, true, a lot of it, you're just like, wow, how cool is that, that you actually got to, you know, write about that. Uh Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's kind of cool. What you know? I'm waiting well, for Joe. Think about it with horror. If you, if you think about it with horror, you got you got that intense feeling. You know, if something's going to happen around the corner, that thrill that you're not going to get with anything else. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Just, just like me walking in front of a bus. Boom. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, my final destination moment. Uh, sorry. I'm just teasing. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, so, Joe, are we going to be holding an intervention at your house tomorrow? <laughs> um, well, you'll be picking up the pieces. Uh <laughs> What was up, Joe Flynn? Uh, is scraped on a bus heading down the freeway. No, I'm just joking. Um, no. no, but, you know, Patrick, also what you can also do is search online occasionally every once in a blue moon for some conventions that might not be super big. But just small enough that, you know, you could say, hey, I'm a local writer in the Ohio State area, if you're interested, you know, and stuff like that. I'm writing that down, too. You know, because, you know, worst case scenario, the only, you know, my thing is, like, when I go occasionally, everyone's on a blue moon. When I go to conventions, sometimes I'll ask for press passes and sometimes I won't. But it's like, you know, it's always, you know, worst case scenario is you ask and they say, oh, we're sorry, we're overbooked with press passes, but at least you asked. Or, you know, even if you don't ask, you know, you could go and, you know, as I tell people, hey, go to the convention, mingle and promote yourself, you know, and say, hey, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm an author of uh, new books, but, hey, no, it's great to meet you. No, I'm just joking. That'd be me, of course. I don't have any books, so there. That's Joe Flynn. I've I've not done that, and I think you raise an excellent uh, excellent issue. That's probably one of the missing – uh, links uh, in my in my toolbox right now as I try to promote. I what what I did with the night it got out is I absolutely blasted uh, social media. 228 different groups uh, I've really hit with Nick's cover and everything else, and then a little blurb, and and I think that's where it's gotten some traction. But it would just add to that uh, as icing on the cake, making it personal. 
personal appearances. So your point's very yeah. well. You know, and, and, and that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, to get your name out there, you, even if you're not at a guest at a convention, but you go into a convention, you walk around, you leave, you know, flyers for your book or books and say, hey, you know, you know, or you talk to some of the people walking around and you go like, hi, I'm Patrick James Ryan. I'm the guy from uh, Clear and Present Danger. Uh, you know, I'm here to save the world. <laughs> that no, I don't look, that was I good. don't look anything, you know, I don't look anything like Harrison Ford, nor Alex Baldwin, but hey. I'm, I'm, I'm the bald one that's you, never on television. <laughs> and then you should there you should you wear a T-shirt that says "Not a bald one." Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. bad joke. Yes. I'm I'm actually watching Nick right now pitch a tin. You know, okay. the more I think about it, Patrick, I think I like. I like it with the red eyes better. Cool. Yeah. I definitely like it with the red eyes. Been silent. Okay. Yes. I, I, I was waiting you know. for somebody to say, why is... I, I like... I like. Oh, I'm sorry. Nick told me I had to explain the fact that he's pitching a tent better. Never mind. I know what He's literally mean. pitching a tent. He's, he's putting a tent up. He's actually changing it. Not the one in his pants. He's a perfectionist. Yeah. Okay, never. I am telling him that he doesn't need to, that it looks cool uh, as is, unless he really feels compelled to do so. Yeah, I, I love the cover. Um, yeah, and me too. You, you asked me, you, you, you talked about it earlier, how you don't know how Nick can keep up with stuff. Did you know? Yeah. I go to bed a little bit earlier than Nick, but he usually stays up till like five o'clock in the morning, and he wakes up at like ten o'clock in the morning, just doing everything. He's up until like five a.m. and he, well, he you, the latest he sleeps in is at eleven because he has to watch Judge Judy. <laughs> okay. So that like is we. That is. She comes on and he's like, Judge Judy, Judge Judy, and I'm like, oh crap, yeah, that is. I'll I'll put my little Hulu Plus on pause. Yeah, so he always makes sure he's up to watch Judge Judy. Hey, Judge Judy rocks, you know. Um, but you know, all I can tell you is, hey, I don't want to be in her court. I'm sorry. Judge Judy rocks, Francie. <laughs> that's right. And so you have a new slogan. But that's how uh, he does it. He... And then he's up from 11 a.m. until like 5 in the morning again, doing it over and over and over again. You know. And again, uh, you know, I. Uh, you know, I'm very happy to uh, put the uh, little uh, plug for your book on the cover there, Patrick, as always. So. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Joe, you you gave him a blurb. That yes, meant a lot. I did. 
I know. I was just going like, what? We got Nick in me out of the blue and said, hey, uh, read part of this story. And I went like, okay. Do I really? No, I'm just joking. And I go, yeah. And then so I just wrote the thing that came to my <clears throat> mind after reading it. Uh, I was just going like, wow. That was pretty intense, you know. The, of the chapter that I read that Nick gave me for the book, and I just went like, "Whoa, I don't cool. want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy out in the middle of nowhere." Well, no, thank I you, Joe. You. <laughs> I want you you're so welcome. Behind the scenes like that, that's good to know, and thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. You know, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, I love reading. I'm just like with you. Uh, you know. I'll pick up a book and I'll just like go like, okay, let me read this. You know, I'm more like a guy who loves holding on to his paperback, you know, when people say, hey, I'll send you, you know, this. And I go, really, you want me to read it online? I'd rather have the copy of the book in my hand so I can read it. So at least I know I have the copy instead of, oh, hey, I'll get back to you, you know, after I do my show and stuff like that. <laughs> then, yeah. Yeah, cool. I, I, I'd rather have paperbacks, but I do have the Kindle, too, so I, I can do both. Yeah. But I, you're right. I would rather have the book in my hand. Me, too. I'm yeah, kind of the same too. one. I, I like holding it, too. Yeah, there's I mean, there's something about it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I like this quote that I've seen. Uh, you're not only buying an artist's work; you're buying their blood, sweat, and tears. Exactly. So you know, to have the book, it's like holding their soul right there in your hand. Definitely. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it. that's why there's a resurgence in vinyl. Rock and roll albums now because I think kids are getting, they're getting tired of buying air. Yeah. yeah. Right. I love I love old records. I love them. I I got myself a record player at a, uh, if, um, not not a thrift store but a yard sale, and they told me the record player still worked. I wanted one. I went to the thrift stores. Man, I bought like oh I love I love it. It's so much oh, better. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I love that when yep. you put it on there, it's like, whoosh, whoosh, Yeah, whoosh. that nice little or, sound. Or eight-track tapes. Now there's another goodie. Oh, yeah, eight-track. Yeah. yeah, give me a record player over an MP3 and all that any day because you can't read all the, everything that they went through, the thank yous and everything else on an MP3 player. Exactly. You're you're reading into the artist's soul. You're not just listening to their music. You're you're reading what they went through and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that uh, speaking of the soul, that uh, soulless British woman is about to cut us off. Nick. Uh. uh Ryan, uh, see before we leave. Yes. Uh, I do want to give you an update. On September 17th and 18th, Sacramento, uh, there's going to be a convention for you guys called Sinister Creature Con uh, with Kristen Bauer from Once Upon a Time and True Blood 
Howard Berger, Patricia Quinn, uh, and uh, Cleve Hall, Ted Nicolau, Gary Graham, Diane Franklin, a Reunion of Terror Vision, John Russo, Judith O'Day from Night of the Living Dead. And so uh, you might want to go... And some some of the people from the TV series Face Off will be there. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, can as you well. Send and uh, yeah, I'll Joe, send you, you the need link. to make it up yeah. here. Yeah, and you need uh, to make it up here for this convention. You've got a place to stay for free. Eric, okay. Yeah. Nick, just I was gonna say, Nick just pinched pitched a tent for you. Okay. Oh, Francie, before I forget. We're outside and there's a tent, and he just he just set the tent up. Before okay. I forget, Francie, I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook yet or not, but Yvonne Mason's granddaughter's in a coma. Oh, no. Ouch. Nick, did you hear that? Yvonne She's 13 Mason years old. Uh, in a coma. The, the one that met uh, Gilbert Brantley? It's a brain tumor, Ouch. I think, it's no, she had. She oh. had. What happened was she had a severe asthma attack. Oh, okay. Oh, but she did flatline on the way to the hospital. They wound up flying her into uh, Scottish Rite in Atlanta, Georgia. Poor little thing. Oh, and she's such a yeah. nice lady. Yeah, Man, it makes so awesome. Awesome. going out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very sorry to hear that, Yvonne. We love you. Makes my backache pain seem like. Cookies and cream now. Yeah, yeah, if you go look on Avant's wall, you'll be able to get. I don't know if I, she's I, updated I, it I lately or not. Uh, Nick. Okay. On that note, I want to send something to Yvonne and something. Oh, I guess. Well, Francie handed the phone to me. I guess it's uh, almost time for us to go. But uh, but I want you to thank uh, Patrick uh, for being on the show. And my love goes out to Yvonne, too. I've been trying my best to follow her posts, too. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, and everybody, uh, okay, uh, uh, Patrick, uh, tell everybody where they can find you and your books at. Well, first of all, Black Bed Sheet Books, and Amazon all over the place, uh, A Books, all the different places that you've got uh, everything posted. Uh, my Facebook site, I've got uh, Facebook under Patrick James Ryan. I've also got one for the night it got out and Bloodverse. And I'm working on creating a website that will be coming too. That's the second missing link that will be completed this year. Awesome. Groovy, groovy. And as usual, everybody go to downwarden.com, D O W N W A R D E N dot com for everything black bed sheet. We got the digital store there, the print shop. We got uh, our home site there. Everything all in one place. It's called downwarden.com, by the way, because I started it out as my website, and I had all this space, and I figured, well, you know, I'm paying like $120 a year for it. I might as well just put it all on one thing. So, <laughs> but, That's yeah. like a plan. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, Nick, uh, before you yeah. uh, sign off of Facebook, I sent you and Francine the link to a convention in Sacramento in October. So I posted it on your wall. So anyone who wants to go oh, cool. check it okay. out, it's called Sinister Creature Con. 
and I gave you the list of the guests who are all going to be there. So there you oh, go. Cool. I'm anxious to actually do some footwork for a change instead of being behind the computer. I miss going to conventions and stuff. I just got to wrap up my titles. Once I wrap up, put a period on whatever I have left, and it's taking so long. It's like it's killing me. But, uh, but once I do that, then I'll be able to put out our brand-new catalog. I'll be able to go to conventions and pimp our, pimp our stuff. And I'm trying to I, I'm trying to finish up uh, um, with royalties, paying off royalties and stuff. At the same time, I'm trying to save a little bit so that I can have an inventory myself so that at these conventions I have what I need to sell, you know, these books. Uh, yeah. But I'm anxious to go. I'm anxious to go. i got to get out of the house, too. I'm a hermit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, okay, okay Francie. He considers getting out of the house as making a trip to Super Walmart. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> we did find a pool that day, so that's a good thing. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> thanks I again love, to Patrick James Ryan. Thank you, guys. Hey, hey Patrick, I got, I got a new nickname for you to give uh, Nick. Okay. It's his pet name. Are you ready? Uh, Nickerdoodle. Uh, <laughs> at my at my last job, Nick would come and pick me up at work, and I'd be sitting outside, and everybody that's sitting outside with me, they'd see Nick, and they're like, Nickerdoodle's here. Nickerdoodle's. All right, I love it. Nickerdoodle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's my Nickerdoodle. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. Nice. <laughs> It was funny whenever he would pull up at my last job to pick me up from work. Everybody would see him, and they're like, "Francie, Nickerdoodle's here." <laughs> that was great fun. <laughs> I'd just be laughing, and Nick's just smiling in the car. <laughs> he likes to be called Nickerdoodle. All right, all right. Who's so everybody call him Nickerdoodle for now on? You have my permission. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> but he's so cute. He's like a, he's like a little snickerdoodle. What did you yeah, do? Like I said, not touching that one. Yeah, Okay, we're 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 having a good time, Nick and I, out here making fun of each other. All right, who's gonna send this out, John Link style? I think uh, Joe should do it. Oh, uh, I guess I am. Nah. <laughs> And, uh, and this is the our friend John Link and Francie and friends until next uh, Sunday or uh, whenever we come back to the Francie and Friends show. Uh, we wish you all a good night and a gun. We'll talk to you all very soon. <laughs> there. Oh, oh, my John I Link. I'm gonna give. You did a great John Link. By the way, I'm going to give everybody um, a little taste of a guest that might be coming up. Uh, David Lee Madison's going to be working on this one. Um, like Dawn, you say that you like uh, ZZ Top? Yep. Well, it's not ZZ Top. I know who it is. You already told me. But this guy wants it's a new Joe drug. Flynn? It's Joe <laughs> Flynn. And he's still trying to figure out how to beat the heart of rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Ah. 
Yui. And he's trying to go back in time, too. Yeah, he's always back in time. I think he killed uh, Weird Al. I wonder if there's replay. Yeah. All right, so um, we, we've, we're we kind of talking about that right now, and David Lee Madison said that he's going to ask him to be on the show. Awesome. Very nice. Mind you, David Madison. Patrick, do you know who that might be? Give me a hint. He wants a new drug, and he wants to go back in time. And he's happy to be stuck with people on an island. Guitarist for Huey Lewis, maybe? There you go. He is Huey Lewis. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah, be awesome. You might want to call in. Yeah, you might want to call in for that one. That would be cool. That would be cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Madison has been friends with him for over 25 years, and David Madison always comes through with us for us. He's like the king of like coming through for Francie and friends. And I messaged him, and I was like, you know, you just hung out with Huey Lewis, and he was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, um, have you ever thought? And he was like, do you want him? I'm like, yes. And he was like, well, I'll ask him. Awesome. So. I mean, this guy got David Lee Roth to call in our show out of nowhere. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. That was really cool. <laughs> it took the guest to realize, the guest, Melanie Robel, she was so cute on that when she found out because she yeah. never cussed on the show. She's, like, really business-like. And she's like, are you serious? Fucking David Lee Roth just called in on my fucking show? And it's like... <laughs> Yes, apparently. Yeah. And it was like out of nowhere. It was David Lee Madison's like messaging me on Facebook. He's like, pick me up right now. Pick up your phone. I'm calling in right now. And I was like, hey, we got a caller. And David Lee Roth was on the phone with him. Cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah, this, this, this is going to happen. Nice. And uh, Patrick, I, I will let you know. And... You know, so think of the perfect Huey Lewis question. And, and the yeah. other guy that we we were talking about, Francie. I will. I, Roddy, I Roddy have Piper? a couple. No, the other one, the one that you said you would leave Nick for me for. <laughs> oh, wait, what? I don't know what you're talking about there. Uh, the the guy I went to school with. Oh, I know who. Wait, I I'm uh, his first I name is John. John. His first name is John. He's got cool hair. He definitely yep. was a big rock star in the 80s and yep. still is today. Yep. And he's also an actor. Yep. Come on, Francie. I think I was drunk when we had that conversation. <laughs> okay, how about John Bon Jovi? Oh, oh my gosh! Could you imagine if we did get John Bon Jovi on the show? I think that I will. We would I will figure him. out a way. Well, I think that we would break Blog Talk Radio the way Ellen DeGeneres broke Twitter. That oh night. yeah, I'm sure we would. 
We would, would break Blog Talk Radio. I think that we would make it crash, and people would be like, "Mother." Yeah, yeah we probably would. To call in. We're trying to yeah, call we into your show. We need yeah, to do I, that. I will figure out a way. Because he's really down to earth. What do you think, Patrick? You think we can get John Bon Jovi? I do remember that now. Yeah, because you told. Do you remember <laughs> what you told Nick? <laughs> yeah, Nick. Like a, um, John Bon Jovi yeah, is like Patrick, really. We're in trouble. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> that is not his fault that John Bon Jovi is way too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let me put it this way. In high school, he wasn't that sexy, but he had a whole lot more hair. Wow. I like, I oh, like yeah, that hair sucker. Oh, yeah, trust me. We, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. There, there were times where we flashed back and looked in the yearbook and were like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's him? That's the sexiest man in rock right now? He was such a nerd. Not not really a nerd. I would say he had a whole lot of hair. Oh, a whole lot of rosé. Kind of looked a little bit out of control. <laughs> a whole lot of hair now. It's oh, I will tell you, uh, G. Tom Mack will also be returning to Francie and Friends. He's oh, one cool. little sister, thou shalt not fall. Soundtrack from the Lost Boys. Yep. That's right. The guy who sang it, G. Tom Mackey, who's got a new single video coming out soon for the Orphan Black uh, show. So congratulations, G. Tom Mack. Yeah, and um, I'm trying to, and Joe, you're trying to, uh, he's kind of recruiting people, and Don, this is something for you to think of, too. He's uh-huh. trying to recruit people to maybe help him get shows in their town. Uh, he oh, that would be great. Because what he's doing is more like a charity venue. Uh, uh-huh. so, uh, if you're interested, like he's the money that he's going to be making, he's like a 200 call uh, concert hall for a certain amount of tickets. And uh, he's helping to raise money for the schools. To bring music back in schools, uh, uh, because he, music. that's something very important. So he's running charity events. He doesn't uh-huh. want big concert halls. He wants like a select few, so that way he can meet and greet everybody that's in the audience. Well, um, you know what? I know of a really good place. Yeah, you should contact. In fact, him I know of a perfect place. place because my husband works for this place. Okay, uh, tell them the friends he's into. It's Allegheny College. There you go. Oh, see, he would love that. Because Allegheny College, okay, is, um, it, the theater is not seriously that big. And I've been there for a concert when I went to see Joe Diffie and stuff. And, um, I got free tickets, so it worked out really good. But, yeah, my husband works for Allegheny, and, um, I'm sure he could tell me who to talk to, and if he wants to get a hold of me, you got my number and my information. Yeah. Just tell him yeah. to get a hold of me, and then we can come up with something, and then I can see what I can do about, uh, you know, getting, getting them hooked day. up. 
Yeah, and uh, Patrick, if you know of any clubs too, you know, definitely contact him. I will send them your way also. But what he's trying to do is he 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 doesn't want like you know the thousands of people in the concert hall because See, he that's wants what it to be more personable. That's why Allegheny College would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. That that does sound really cool. That is probably something right up his alley. Yeah. And Go I'm ahead, trying Patrick. to get him some stuff here in Sacramento and I've been talking to Good Day Sacramento and they want to promote this also. So Uh-huh. Yeah, um just have him get in touch with me and okay. I'll see what I can do. All right, that or or you can contact him. Are you friends with him on Facebook? Uh, no. Need to hook up with him. He but runs, yeah, he runs his own Facebook page. That's him okay. on Facebook. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you the link to his Facebook page. That's him. And send him a friend request. Tell him that I sent you and that you have a great idea for what he's doing. That you've talked to me and you have a great idea for what he's trying to accomplish that you have something that he would be really interested in. Yeah, I think that would be, like, the perfect place for him because, you know, just from your, what what he wants, it sounds like it would be perfect, you know. Yeah, I, I felt really bad the other night. I called him, like, at midnight because Good Day Sacramento just emailed me, and they're like, hello, when do we get him? And I uh-huh. was like, I don't know. And I'm, like, calling him, like, six times in a row, and he finally answers. He's like, Hey, Freddie, he's always so cheerful. Hey, Franny, how are you? <laughs> I'm like, are you mad at me for calling? He's like, no, 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 you're fine. What's going on? So, yeah, he's such a nice, nice guy. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he wants to call me, then we, we, he can let me know what would be, like, yeah, an you, ideal if you give him your number, If you give him your number, he'll call you. So. Yeah, well, he's going to be really passionate about this. Yeah. Hi, I'm your number one fan. Call me John Bon Jovi. You, no, I'm uh, just <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not from misery. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I know that everybody... It took me a second. I was one of those suckers that watched that Kathy Bates. Patrick, did you see that video with where uh, Kathy Bates was going into uh, the... Well, Annie was going into the uh, bookstore to get the, the the misery books. I didn't see that. I haven't seen it. You I've, haven't I've seen, seen it? Oh, my gosh. This lady did so good. She wanted Paul Sheldon's books. I was like, did they make a book off of misery, off of the b- movie Misery? And she was like, why don't you have that cock duty book? And she's like, <laughs> Like the number one. Oh, Don, I gotta see the video. It is indeed. Oh yeah, it's definitely. Even seeing a smile, but oh. it was supposed to be like a spoof of misery. And it took. I was like watching, and I was like, Nick, did they make Misery Child? Did they make the Misery Child book? And this woman's like obsessed with the misery novels and Paul Sheldon and all that. And then Nick was like, that was. Funny. I was like, I know. She was like throwing up. He's like, no. She's Ann Wilkes going into the bookstore. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that was funny. 
Oh, and the poor guy behind the counter had no idea what she was doing. He was like, I can order the book. No, I've been waiting forever for this book to be on paperback. I want the book now. You're telling me you don't have that cock duty book? It was oh, great. <laughs> Joe, you know, I know funny Joe about, about Misery is my daughter, when, when she was real little, I mean, I'm talking like even as a baby. When when she wasn't feeling good, she had a lot of problems with ear infections. The only way I could get her to sleep is to put misery on. (laughs) She wouldn't go to sleep. Oh, my gosh, she would not go to sleep until I put that on. As soon as I put it on, she'd crawl up in my lap and fall asleep. Ah, man. Okay, so, yeah. All right, granted, my kids had off-the-wall bedtime stories, okay? (laughs) <laughs> you know, Not your I met, average I met, I met twinkle, James twinkle, Con. little star, you know. Yeah, I met James Con twice. Man, oh, really? He was awesome. in, like, oh man, such a nice guy. When uh, they were filming the program, which is a movie that he was in, and they uh-huh. filmed all the football scenes in the um, South Carolina Stadium, the Gamecocks, Go Cox, uh-huh. uh Stadium. Um, he was he was the coach, and a couple of times we got to run out on the field, and he gave me his he he like stopped, and they were trying to rush him off the field, and he did give me an autograph, and nice. he was I was man I loved you in misery, and he was like he's really nice I mean he was such a nice guy, well my pockets were shallow that day, and I lost his autograph. So they were filming another scene, and we got to rush the field again. And I was, like, running beside them. You know, granted, they weren't filming anymore, but they were trying to rush him off the field like the producers were. I was like, Uh James, I know you gave me the autograph earlier, but it fell out of my pocket, and I I, I lost your autograph. And he was like, he, like, stopped the crew, the producers and everybody. He was like, stop. And he was like, okay, give me a pen and piece of paper. And I gave him a pen and piece of paper, and he was trying to sign it on his hand, and he couldn't. And he was like, come on, turn around, let me sign it on your back. And he was trying to sign it, and he's like, I'm making it holy, I'm blessing it. My pen's going right through the piece of paper. And somebody that was with him was like, here, James, here's a hard surface. And he signed it, and he was like, don't flush this one down the toilet. (laughs) And he was like, nice to meet you again. (laughs) So he was, like, nice. They were trying to rush him off the field because there were a lot of people that wanted to meet him, but he stopped twice to take care of me. That's and awesome. I that, was really, that was really cool of him. And yeah, it is. For him to make it by making it holy, <laughs> because I keep sticking my pen through it. And That's I lost that cool. autograph once. I lost it a third time. Wow. <sighs> Yeah, after moving, like, several times. It was just a small piece of paper. But he was really, really and truly a nice guy. That's nice. I I am totally shocked. In one minute. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, Me? Uh, Easy. Joe Flynn, Facebook. You don't forget, uh, in about two weeks, you'll get to see... uh, a look back of my 14 years of uh, doing my local horror cable show. Wow. And, uh, 
So, yeah, get ready for that. It should be a lot of fun. I don't even know what I'm putting on the show, but, hey, it'll be fun. Uh, so, yeah, so don't forget Facebook, Joe Flynn, or go to the Joe Flynn Show Facebook page as well, created by Mr. Nicholas Garbowski. So, there, guys. So, there we go. That's where you can find me. And that's why and I was, like, you surprised. Huh? You got products also. Tell everybody where they can find you and what you do. Uh, Well, I sell Jamberry Nail Wraps, and you can find me on Facebook. Or you can go to www.jamberrynails.net. Hi. All right. And again, thank you, Patrick, James, Ryan, for being on. If you're still with us. Awesome guest. So, awesome, yeah, awesome, awesome guest. It. it was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Patrick. Patrick, you're, you're an so amazing long, guest. Patrick. Yep, you guys are great. Appreciate it. Loved it. And 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 thank you for being so cooperative. Oh, absolutely. With this last minute thing, I. I wanted to make that show page for you that morning, but, ma'am, that's when it started. Because, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of this chair. Nick's going to have to help me. He's Very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. Again, pick up uh, Patrick's book, too, The Night It Got Out. The Night It Got Out. Yeah, I think you guys will like it. All right. All right. I'm going to hang up before uh, Block Talk Radio hangs us up, and we're going to be like in mid-sentence. Yeah, really. All right. Good night, guys. Love you all. Uh, Good night, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks again. All right. And special special love to uh, John Link and Edward X. Young. Looks like he's recuperating very well. Yeah, he's looking pretty good now. Yeah, yeah, that's what all the women say about him. <laughs> Thank you, Love you, too. Edward X. Young and Yvonne Mason. Love you, too, and all, all the best. Love you guys. Thanks, you guys. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Pat. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.